Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Lord, our rock and our redeemer and all of God's children said, amen. I know it's happened to me. My guess is it's happened to you as well. Where you've said something and as soon as it came out of your mouth, you wish you could take it back. In the book of James, we hear with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Sometimes our mouth works a lot faster than our brains do. And you know you want to hit the pause button, rewind it a little bit after you say something, and then say something completely different. We need do-overs. In the Choose Your Own Adventure book series, it's a series of children's game books, first published in 1979, each story ends with two options. A narrative fork in the road, if you will, that they need to choose. One choice usually ends well. The other one, not so much. So if you choose to fight the three-headed space alien in the book and meet your death by his plasma ray gun on page 83, you can just turn back and choose to flee on your spaceship to Moonbase Alpha by turning to page 86 instead. It's almost like a happily ever after, but nothing is forever. Nothing is irrevocable. That word, as Nancy said, jumps out at us in our scripture today, irrevocable. Irrevocable is defined as not able to be changed, reversed, or recovered. And the one-word definition for that, final. We love do-overs. We love our options and choices and and second chances. In fact, it's one of the the marks of our culture. As a generous and a forgiving society, we like to be able to give people a second chance. And on a consumer level, there's just about nothing that we won't throw out or we can't throw out and do-over or get a different one. Let's say you're in your favorite restaurant and you chose something you've never chosen before and you don't like it. Or it's not cooked properly. You just complain to the manager and he'll bring you something else or maybe even a refire of that particular dish. Referees' judgments don't always stand because football coaches have these little red flags now and extra officials are assigned to the video replay booth. And because the consumer is always right, we have a 30-day return policy on just about everything. Typewriters and correction tape and whiteout. I'm dating myself, but they have been replaced by the undo arrow in the drop-down menu on your computer screen, or by the backspace key, or the delete button, or the highlight and cut. Even bigger events in life can be reversed as well. Marriages end in divorce more often than they survive. If you don't like your name after all of these years, you can legally change it. Unhealthy consumer debt can be erased through bankruptcy. In an interactive world, we can review our choices and change our choices that we've made however many times after we've already made other choices. Little is permanent today. Very little is irrevocable. That's a strong word, doesn't it? That's really strong. Irrevocable. It sounds so final. 
And it comes out of our mouths with a, a thud in the air, if you will. Irrevocable. Done. Final. That's it. No more. So what are the truly irrevocable things in life? Well, a bullet can't go back into the gun. If you squeeze out too much toothpaste, it won't go back in the tube. You can't unscratch a scratched lotto ticket. And according to Johnny Cash, naming your boy Sue has quite an irrevocable set of consequences. I was reminded as I was studying this scripture about the, the famous episode of Seinfeld with the cigar store wooden Indian. And the episode plays off of that by using the phrase Indian giver, where Jerry uses that politically incorrect phrase when his Native American friend wants a TV guide back that she gave to Jerry. The phrase in the whole episode play off the idea that when you give a gift to someone, it should be irrevocable. But in the bigger issues of life, hardly anything seems permanent. If you rack your brain to find actions and choices that people in our culture haven't somehow found a way to, to wiggle out of, not much is permanent. But our scripture says that God is a God of certain irrevocables. This is a really sticky scripture, a sticky section of a, a sticky letter. It's a text where ideas about God and about doctrine take shape, where God thinkers draw lines in the sand about this is in and this is out. Romans chapters 9 through 11 present a team of challenges, a team of questions. Like what is Israel's role in light of the good news of Christ. Who are the people of God? Israel? The church? Or both? What's the extent of God's predetermination of the people? Will there be a special salvation for Jews beyond the gospel of Christ? Each week we go through our lectionary text. That's the scriptures that are set for each Sunday. And through this time of year, they're often called propers or ordinaries. Like this is ordinary, I believe it's 15. But the scripture does not seem ordinary. But this may be the passage we need. In a relative world, a, a few absolutes are helpful to hold on to. And this scripture points us to two irrevocables in terms of being the people of God. In this text, Paul is combining two important issues. God's people are all people who would follow Christ, and God continually extends his mercy to more and more people. Salvation has come to the Gentiles, and the question, has God rejected his people? Paul responds, by no means. In that light, verses 30 and 31 say that the disobedience of Israel led to the expansion of God's people to include the Gentiles. So what exactly was that disobedience? If God would so drastically alter salvation history over this one thing, then we must certainly have an irrevocable to consider. A reading of the Minor Prophets reveals two major themes in God's disappointment with Israel's disobedience. 
their worship, and their lack of justice. But this disobedience can be traced back even further in Israel's history, back to her very DNA as God chose and called her. Genesis 12 records the initial marching orders for Israel as God's people. It reads, I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing and you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. They were blessed to be a blessing to others. Chosen as God's people to extend God's people. God isn't in the business of favoritism. But he does favor people, all people. And his plan to favor all people is the life of his current people. So here's something that has always been irrevocable for those who would follow God. And that is living in mission. This whole passage reminds us that God desires our fellowship and wants us to be in mission with God to others. Mission is in our DNA. To be a non-missional Christian then is to have to become distorted from our design, our image that we're made in. Simply put, non-missional Christianity ought to be as rare as growing a, a different digit on your hand or your feet. Evangelism, that is serving those who don't know Christ yet, tending to issues of social justice, to not follow God in these things, is to live a life of disobedience. The English word irrevocable appears nowhere else in Scripture except in this verse 29 of chapter 11 of Romans. On one hand, the Scriptures recognize the seasons of blessing may be temporary. Rains come and go. Crops boom and bust. Riches are fleeting. But the irrevocable gift of God is here linked to one of God's qualities, not merely his actions. Despite disobedience, he still offers his people mercy. Paul says, so that he may be merciful to all. Some of you may remember the story of Hosea, his son named Lo-Ami, which meant not my people. But that was not the final word of the God, of God, to the people Israel. They would again be called the children of God. I think that parents can best understand the heart which grants mercy in response to disobedience. It's a heart of love in spite of disobedience. A heart that longs for relationship over punishment. A heart that puts more stock in the future than in the past. Here again this word irrevocable irrevocable, comes into play in a different way. That Greek for the word irrevocable literally means without regret. Something is given with no claim to do-overs. The only other place this Greek word appears is in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And it reads, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation. And brings no regret. But worldly grief produces death. Godly grief over sin is connected to repentance. This is something we should nurture, our repentance. We should ask God for it. We should celebrate it. 
And we should claim the truth of our sin without regret. Our Catholic brothers and sisters in reports over the years are declining, and not in numbers, but in going to confession. In the 50s and 60s, it would be about 80-85% would go to confession. But now, 37% said they go to confession at least once a year. 28% go less than once a year. And 35% said they never go to confession. Confessing our sins in this relativistic, therapeutic culture isn't trendy these days. Yet this is why our liturgies, what we do in worship, preserves the language of confession. Notice the prayer we used in the bulletin today is a prayer of confession. Of things that we leave undone and things that we have done. The place of confession and repentance is not a place of, of worldly grief and humbling ourselves. It is a place of being honest with ourselves. And while we regret our sin, we need have no shame of claiming that sin. To claim our sin is in the same breath to claim God's mercy and grace and forgiveness. So what do we make of all of this? This certainly is a difficult scripture. There are not many irrevocables in life, but we do know that we are people of mission and to be people of mercy. Have you ever heard the expression re-gifting? It's a practice of passing on a gift we've received from another person to a third person. The expression originated on an episode of Seinfeld called The Label Maker. Jerry's dentist friend, Dr. Tim Watley, gives him a label maker after Jerry had given Tim tickets to the Super Bowl. Everything is fine and dandy until Jerry's other friend, Elaine, recognizes that same label maker. That's the one she had given Tim as a gift for not charging her for dental work. Tim had re-gifted the gift that she gave to Jerry. As the Seinfeld characters could well attest, re-gifting is a risky practice. For if the original giver learns of the re-gifting, feelings are hurt and friendships are damaged. But yet it's impossible for you and I to re-gift the spiritual gifts and the calling that we have received from God. In Romans chapter 11, verse 29, attest to that. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. No matter how many times you turn away from God, the gifts and your calling are still there. Let me ask you this question. When someone else receives God's blessing and grace in their life, does that push you to seek God all the more? Or... Does it leave you feeling like you got the short end of the stick? So what's the takeaway? The takeaway from our scripture here today is God does not give up on his commitment to his people. He doesn't give up simply because the people don't seem to be working out as they're planned to. And that's the good news for the world and for each one of us. Things may not seem to be working out as planned but that doesn't mean God's giving up on us. 
or the promises that he offered. God is still God. God is unchanging. God is irrevocable. I want to encourage you to read Romans chapter 11, verses 33 to 36 before you go to bed tonight. It is, in a sense, Paul's glory be to God. It's a doxology. It's like what we sing. It's a doxology that even when we feel like we get the short end of the stick, we are reminded as we say these words out loud that God is God. Let me read them to you. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him all things, all things, to him be the glory forever. To God be the glory forever. We like do-overs. But no matter what, you cannot re-gift your gifts. Each of us has been given gifts for the glory of God to share the good news of Jesus Christ. How are you using your gifts? How is God using you to reach new people? It might not feel like you're doing the work of the Lord sometimes. But at the end of the day, if you say these verses before you put your head down, you come to the end of it. To him be the glory forever. Amen and amen.